this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. We're so glad you've taken the opportunity to avail yourselves of our audio sermons. If they are encouraging to you, or if you just want to make a comment, we'd love to hear from you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and leave us a comment. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you. Greetings this Lord's Day in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Christ was innocent, yet he was found guilty willingly for our sins. Can we say thanks be to God? It certainly is a lovely day outside, and it's beautiful to be here with the people of God, those people that we love so much. And... In a little while, when we come to the part of our service where we confess our sins, we know that Jesus will most willingly do what? He's going to forgive us. We'll be lifted up by the mere mention. What we know is true. I don't know, every time I am, and I always feel funny actually doing it. It's like I'm offering you forgiveness, you know? (laughs) But, but I do this as Christ's representative. But when I say, Foundation Church, your sins are forgiven. How many people feel kind of like, good? You know, I do. Yet, it may be that in some of our hearts, there are many of us who wait in vain to hear the same from those who may not have forgiven us. Or maybe those here you guys are holding back forgiveness to other people. And they're sitting at home waiting or maybe sitting in the pew near you waiting for you to forgive them. And what are we not doing maybe? We're not offering to others what Christ so freely has offered to us. That's what we're going to talk about today. May it not be so. Amen? David understood the buoyancy, the joy, the beauty of God's graciousness toward him. As he wrote Psalm 32, and he says this, when he, uh, as we are invited to worship, he says this, he said, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Isn't that a great thing to know we've done wrong, but yet God has forgiven us? Or, if, you, know, when, you know, if I have wronged Steve, I'm in pain until Steve is like, you know what, I love you, I forgive you. There's like a release that happens, right? When things are right between brothers. David said, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day. He, he you know, when to, 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 to not know that you're forgiven, it's kind of like, it almost will make you sick. For day and night, thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgression unto the Lord, and thou forgavest me. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou may be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go and I will guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding whose mouth must be held in with a bit and bridle lest they come near unto thee many sorrows shall be to the wicked but he that trusts in the lord mercy forgiveness shall be that that inhabits his place be glad in the lord and rejoice you righteous and shout for joy all ye that are of an upright heart let us pray Oh, dear Lord, we are so thankful that you have given us so uh, many wonderful people to be in our lives that we can love and we can grow up with, that our children can know, that they can learn from their examples. And, And this group of people, we were once alone, but you have placed us in this covenant community to love one another. We're here today gathered 
confessing our sins, knowing that you are willing to forgive us, but reminded that we need to forgive others. Lord, we come to hear your word so that when your words come, that they change us and give us faith and strength. And Lord, we come hungering and thirsting for your word and for righteousness, and you feed us every time from above. We pray that we would be different today when we leave than when we came. In Christ's name we pray and all the church said, Amen. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. text today. My sermon today is called Forgive Us As, everybody say as, As. we forgive others. Forgive us as we forgive others. Our text is Matthew chapter 6 verse 12 through 15. This is our 39th week in the life of Christ and um, we are in the middle of the Lord's prayer and right after it here in uh, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6, 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Let us pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of it. We pray now that you would supernaturally illuminate it for us, that we would hear it, that it would apply to our hearts, that it would change us, that it would make us and give us mercy. In Christ's name we pray. Everybody say amen. You may be seated. Here in our journey through the Lord's... uh, Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5 through 7, uh, we remember that uh, it is a picture of what? It's a picture of kingdom life, right? And uh, But within it, there is an outline within the whole sermon uh, where Jesus introduces the topic, and the outline is called the Beatitudes, right? You guys remember those? So Jesus is talking from 5, 6, and 7. He's drawing this great picture, and uh, the the outline is the Beatitudes, and the unpacking, you know, like we call it today, is five through seven, okay? So the three-chapter sermon here is a masterpiece, a word painting of life in the kingdom, and uh, we have learned when we started this that this was going to... Uh, talk about the people who would usher in the kingdom and they would in an overall sense be what you guys remember they would be poor in to be the poor in spirit we learned about the meek that shall inherit the earth those persecuted mourners hungering and thirsting after true righteousness who know god as their father those merciful men made so by god's spirit who will indeed see god peacemakers who by their quiet lives of compassion and forgiveness shine bright in the darkness, dispelling evil and glorifying the Father of lights. We hear the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that do mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit thee. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. In verse 7 of the blesseds, uh, Jesus says something that he is now, as we come to our text, he is unpacking. And he said this, blessed are the merciful. Everybody say, blessed are the merciful. For they shall obtain mercy. This, as he is teaching us to approach our Father as God, as sons who understand the kingdom that is the central part of our lives, he reminds us that of our own redemption by calling on us to redeem others from the judgment, not that God holds over them, but the judgment that we hold over them. We have cut them off. We have not forgiven them. We were not willing to offer mercy. And this is a great temptation that we have. Now, I would like to preface it with this. Do you know that there's a good reason that you don't want to be forgiven? A a better reason than you might imagine. You'll never guess. Steve, you're made in the image of God. And you go, well, is God unforgiving? Well, God is just and God is holy. And God cannot let sin go unpunished. And so when we see someone sin, and when they sin against us, we're made in the image of God, and something has to be done about it. It's not like we get this feeling just because we're wretched sinners, but we get this feeling because we're made in the image of God. We see someone doing wrong, and we're like, that, something needs to be done about that. This doesn't come from our sin nature. It comes from the image of God. But you see, God has done something to remedy, if you will, his need in, for justice, right? Remember, we, we, we learned that justice is one of the great qualities about God, but it's not the best. There are things that are more glorious. What is better than justice? Everybody say mercy. Why? Well, because God demands justice. If God were not just, if God did not, when, when, when people disobeyed his word, he establishes all of creation. When, what, what, what if... This phone decided it was not going to obey gravity, Benita. And it was just going to do whatever it wanted. That would be bad, right? What would happen if everything did as it wanted to do rather than as God has said? God says that when something falls, it falls at 33 feet per second per second until it reaches terminal velocity. And you might go, well, what's that have to do with anything? I'm telling you, God has set laws in the universe... And there are things that can't be done. If God says, thou shalt not steal, what shall we not do? We shall not steal. You see, his lordship over the universe is threatened when we say, when we steal. Because God says, we shall not do what? We shall not steal. When we uh, do all of the things that God hasn't commanded, what we're doing is we're saying, we can do what we want. We are lords of ourselves. We are lords of our own universe. We will ascend on the high like like Lucifer. And we will be like God. We will decide what we want to do. Right? This is why we want things done. But you see, even though God's justice demanded that, God made a provision for mercy. And His provision for mercy, it was made to help us and to allow us to be able to go to heaven. Amen? If God uh, were... Uh, righteous and holy and just, but not merciful and not loving. And if Christ had not come, all of you, as nice as you are, as nice as you look today, as as good as you've been this week, you've not been good enough. Okay? You haven't fulfilled all the words of God in the way James puts it. It says, if, if you violate one bit of the law, you violated what? You violated all of it. You're a lawbreaker. Okay? So... When you sin, you violate God's justice and His holiness and something has to be done. And in your mind, this is why something has to be done. People sin against you. You're made in the image of God. As we continue to ask God for our uh, continued sin and our great need for His forgiveness, He reminds us of our duty to do what? Forgive others. And our ability. We're allowed to forgive people. Even though it doesn't feel right, we're allowed to do it. And when we understand this, we enter into 
the understanding of mercy. As we know, Jesus lived out this line that he spoke years later in, in such a way that it was really hard to understand. He literally forgave the people who were in the middle of killing him. They were mocking him. They tore his clothes off. They accused him of sin. They lied. They sold him out. Not only these Romans who didn't know him, but I think the most egregious sin against him was the sin by Judas, who he had kissed, who he allowed into his life, who he trusted and who he treated wonderfully. He was not only betrayed by Judas, he was betrayed by Peter, who denied him over and over. But you know what's interesting? Jesus forgave Peter before he did it, knowing he would do it, and then he forgave him after he did it. I mean, Jesus is telling Peter what a great thing he's going to be in the kingdom of God, all knowing the whole time that Peter was going to deny he ever knew him. What does betrayal feel like? When people betray you. It's horrible. I mean, you think you're their friend. You think you know them. And and then you find out that they just talked about you like a dog. And that they, you know, took advantage of you. or they did. And, and there's just like this. It's horrible. Right? Jesus knew Peter would do it. Yet still forgave him before he did it. Knowing he would do it. Man, we could learn a lot from this for our children for our wives for one another how, how many church problems do you think you would have if we learned this <laughs> how many church splits would we have here in this teaching on prayer there is a grave warning though for us not to miss as certain as we require the blood of Christ for our entrance into heaven Jesus says he requires our forgiveness of others for those who have sinned against us. That's pretty, it's a pretty grave warning. It's ominous. I can't say that I fully understand it. But it is what it says. Now, these words are very simple that Jesus says, and I think we'd like to scrutinize them and, and sort of make them not really say what they say, but what does it say? If we cannot forgive those who sin against us, what is not provided for us? Is, is this somehow unclear? Yet we're disgusted at certain sins. We're, they, re, they repulse us. We hear about the, the, those deviants, those ungodly people, those sycophants. We, we look at them and we're like, how, ooh, they're disgusting. They're those dogs, right? But how many people have viewed the sin of unforgiveness like this? Or they're like, well, you know, it's really hard. <laughs> it's really hard to forgive. It's difficult. I, understand, I can understand you being unforgiving. I mean, they really did you wrong. You can't understand homosexuality, but, it's, but unforgiveness is okay. The Bible says people that were homosexuals, people that were adulterers, people that stole people and sold people were forgiven and will go to heaven. But the Bible says those that hold back forgiveness from other people will not be forgiven of their sins. Pretty ominous, is it not? Forgive us our debts as. Everybody say as. We forgive our debtors. Jesus recommended this prayer. We pray to God asking Him to forgive us as. Everybody say as. We forgive others. How many have said the Lord's Prayer and really never heard it quite like that? Forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. It's almost like it's almost like it's a given. Well, of course, you know, in the same way that we're so magnanimous, in the same way that we're so merciful, in the same way that we forgive others, Lord, forgive us. I, I think I think I think that if we listen to those words, we might really want to take as out. Lord, forgive us. Way better than we forgive others because we really don't. I mean, that, that, that would be more an accurate prayer of us, right? Because we don't. But he says, forgive others as we, for, as we forgive the others. How many times have we said these words, missed their meaning? We are asking for God's forgiveness to mirror 
our own forgiveness of other people. Kind of makes you want to say, okay, wait a minute, I need to be merciful. Guess what the Bible says? Blessed are the merciful. You know, you know a great cure for self-righteousness and harshness and unforgivingness? You guys know what a great cure for that is? Doing something really wrong. Finding yourself tempted beyond that which you can uh, seem to bear and you do, you, you, you do wrong, you sin, and now you're, now you're the very one who you always thought was so bad. You know what will happen to you? Just start going, you know what? I'm a little more merciful now. You know, God has been kind to me in my life. God never has tempted me to sin. God has never made me sin, okay? But God has let me know that if it were not for His kindness and His mercy and His protection over me, I would do everything and more that other people do. Now, we say this, but we don't believe this. And the reason I know we don't, because when they do it to us, we hold back, we don't forgive, we're not willing to offer it, but what we're not remembering here is that we've been forgiven a debt we could never pay, and they owe us a debt so small, they've sinned against God. We've sinned against God. Eternity is the price that we would pay were we not forgiven. They sinned against us and made us uncomfortable, or made us feel bad, or let us down. What is that? in comparison to violating the God of the universe and closing the gates of heaven and now God opens them up and lets us come in. What what an incredible thing that God offers us and we're so stingy. He's so generous and He's given us so much but when it's our turn to give the same thing that God gives us in such small measure, we we hold it back as as if there's some... As if it's going to cost us something. Jesus continues. He ends the prayer. And just in case we didn't hear the forgive us as we forgive others. He stops the prayer at the end of the prayer. And he then begins to explain why he included what he said in the prayer. Just in case we missed it. Just in case we thought, well, Jesus, that word as, you know, maybe that really didn't really matter. You know, he just kind of means that Jesus ends the prayer. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And then he goes, oh, do you know why I included that last part in there? Let me explain this. For, verse 13. This is the word after thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. Amen. The next words are, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you also. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father Forgive your trespasses. So just in case you thought, well, you know, we're, 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 we're dissecting and we're getting into the, the Hebrew and the Greek and we, we're, we're planting our whole sermon on one word. Jesus wanted to make us say, hey, that, that one word was a lot. And just in case you missed it, I'm going to add two verses that explain that one word. When I said, uh, Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I say that because if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you forgive them not, neither will your Father forgive them. Big Vow is named after St. Augustine. And here's what he said. He said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. He says, what we're really asking God is not to forgive us. He goes, because we're not forgiving people. Jesus explains it at the close of his prayer, as I said, for if you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you, but if you don't, he will not. John Wesley was serving as a missionary uh, to the American colonies. He had an encounter with General Oglethorpe, a man known for his great pride and his righteous living. And uh, he was known that when people did wrong, he would always deal out a severe penalty even for minor infractions in the army. And at a particularly prideful moment, Oglethorpe said in Wesley's ears, he said, I never forgive. Wesley replied, "Then I hope, sir, you never sin. Wesley knew that if we make an unforgiving spirit a virtue, we cannot be forgiven. Thomas Watson, the noticed Puritan, said, a man 
can as well go to hell for not forgiving as for not believing. Charles Spurgeon said in one of his sermons, he said this, he says, unless you have forgiven others, you read your own death warrant every time you say the Lord's Prayer. Lord, forgive us as we forgive our debtors. He said, be careful about that prayer because if you're holding back forgiveness, every time you pray it, you're asking God not to forgive you. Just in case you think I've gone crazy, C.S. Lewis, he even talked about it as well. It bothered him. He says, no part in Jesus' teaching was clearer and there are no exceptions. He doesn't say that we are to forgive other people's sins providing they are not too frightful. Or providing that there were no extenuating circumstances. We are to forgive them all, however spiteful, however mean, however often they are repeated. If we don't, we shall not be forgiven of our own sins. I mean, if C.S. Lewis says it, come on guys, what do you think? Might be right. I read Matthew 18, and and Andy uh, read it for us again. I read it, and I'm telling you, it was like God took the blinders off of my face. Sometimes we read the Bible and we take these these, uh, things out of context. And Matthew 18 is not a whole bunch of separate thoughts about being like little children and ecclesiastical judgment and all of this stuff. It is all one thought. And when I lace it together for you here, you'll see it. You won't miss it here. Because Jesus, in case they didn't understand it, closes it with the parable of the man who wouldn't forgive. Okay? So, Can you stay with me here for a little bit? Because this is powerful. At the same time, this is Matthew 18, 1. At the same time, Jesus came to his disciples saying, who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Okay, so we have context. The question is about what? The kingdom of heaven. All right? Now, what is Jesus' favorite subject? Everybody say, come on. Now, I I ask you this every week. If you don't get this right, I'm going to be very discouraged. Okay, what? Is Jesus' favorite subject? The kingdom of heaven. What did he come here for? He came here because he was going to be king, right? And the kingdom of heaven would be his kingdom. And this kingdom of heaven is what? What's it about? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when all these things mention about the kingdom of heaven, they're not trying to say you can't go to heaven, but they're saying that what God, the kingdom God is building here, the kingdom of heaven, heaven on earth built here, You can't be part of it in certain ways. Remember I told you, unless you become a little child, you can't do what? You can't enter into the kingdom of heaven. The Bible tells you if you can't, you know, and it goes through these things. All right, now we're going to go through. So he's bringing out the kingdom of heaven. Verse 2, Jesus called a little child. He said said him in the midst, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as a little child, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is entering into this subject to help us understand our attitude towards others should be like children who forget. I mean, how many have disciplined your child and found out later you whipped the wrong one? Anybody ever done this? I have. And you feel like a dog. Could you imagine, uh, Luke, Grace coming up to you later and going, I've hated you for years. Over that, you know, thing you did to me when you were three. She doesn't remember that, right? She isn't going to remember that. Why? That she's like a little child. Well, dad loves me, right? But we're not like this. We keep track. We keep score. We remember. But Christ is imploring us here to be like children in that we forget. We let things go. We don't hold them. We don't, we don't build a case and keep it building. And I'm telling you, the enemy loves it when we, when we grow up and we get so mature that we can't forgive. See, when, when we come up and, we, and, we, and the devil comes in our ear, he goes, Jason, don't you remember that time? When you're a little child, you go, I don't really remember that time. I forget. And then we go off and we play with our lives, right? But when we're grown up and mature and we remember, we're like, that's right, I remember that Amy Brownfield was supposed to bring my lunch to church. And she did, and you know, uh, she, you know she, she didn't bring it, and, and blah, you know, whatever. I don't I can't think of anything bad Amy can do. But anyway. So who's great? Those that are childlike. Whosoever shall humble himself. Everybody say humble himself. As the little children, the same is greatest in the kingdom. Subject still the kingdom, right? Who shall receive one of these little children of my name receives me. But whosoever shall offend. Everybody say offend. Now, when someone sins against you, what do they do? They are 
They're offending you. They are sinning against you. I think when you're reading in the uh, in the um, ESV, right? Is that what you're reading? It it used the word tempt you. Okay. What are what are people tempted? Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and light. What does temptation lead to? To sin, right? So whosoever shall offend one of these little ones, which believes in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged around his neck and that. He were drowned in the depth of the sea, okay? Woe unto the world because offenses come. For it must needs be that offenses come, but woe unto by they come. So bad things are going to happen, but woe to the person that does these bad things to hurt people, right? What are these bad things that hurt people? Everybody say sins, right? So you're sinning against these little children, right? This is about, this is this topic. Who's going to be great? Children. Children of the kingdom, What? Children of the kingdom, but you, you listen, you be careful. Quit sinning against these people. If you sin against them, bad things are going to happen to you. And it keeps talking about the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. Right? Then he says this. He says, wherefore, if thy hand offend. Everybody say, offend. If your hand offend thee, what do you do? You cut it off. Right? And we, we read it earlier. If your eye offends thee, what do you do? Everybody say, pluck it out. Now, honestly, when I read this before, and I've even talked about this, the very thought of cutting off my own hand or plucking out my own eye is, I just can't, it's not really become a doctrine of the church, has it? Somehow we know that Jesus really doesn't want us to do this, but he's just trying to teach us something. But what he's trying to teach us is he's trying to teach us something ecclesiastical, something about the church. The church is the kingdom of heaven. I say the kingdom of heaven. There is a time to cut somebody out of the kingdom, to excommunicate somebody out of the body. And when you cut them off out of the body, what are you doing? You are, everybody say, cutting off a hand. Cutting, plucking out an eye. Okay, no one's asking Luke to, you know, if he looked at the wrong thing, to literally, you know, get something and try to pop his eye out or get a saw and cut his arm off. This is in reference to the kingdom of God. And as you read here, he explains this. These offenses come to these little ones in the kingdom of God. And one of the worst things that you can do, and basically what it teaches here, is, is, is offenses come and those people at some point, if they continue these offenses, they need to be cut off. They need to be taken out. But he urges us to forgive. Okay? If I offend thee, pluck it out. Cast it away from thee. We learn that this is, here is a reference to the body of Christ. Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. For I say... That, that, that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is heaven. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. How think ye? Now, he goes to this parable. This is not a separate thing. He's explaining that when people get in sin, they need our attention. Okay? He's not telling us to leave the church and go start a church of one. He's saying, if a man has a hundred sheep and he loses one, he stops what he's doing. He takes time to deal with that situation. And he goes and he deals with the one that's missing, right? The missing has nothing to do with people being here or being not. The missing is, is that he's stopping everything he's doing to deal with the situation that is critical, which is what? Which is the brother or sister that is sinned against... And has been alienated from the body. The sin of unforgiveness is a powerful, powerful sin that destroys people's lives. James says if we can get someone to confess their sin, we have saved the soul from death. Okay? Does that mean they're going to hell? No. But you know, sin and unforgiveness will kill you in this life right now. Probably give you cancer and all kinds. I'm telling you, if, if they did the medical research, bitterness and unforgiveness and the things we hold on to about others are damaging to us. They're damaging to the body of Christ. And the, the, the lesson in Matthew 18 is that when someone will not forgive other people, those people have to be put out from the church. That their cancer, their malignancy cannot be tolerated within the body of the church. How thank you if a man of a hundred sheep, one of them gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine, go to the mountain, seek the one that's so astray? If so, he finds it. Verily, he rejoices. When there is a person who will not forgive others, when there is a person who has this unforgiving and bitter spirit within the church, we need to work hard to help them. And if we can't help them, ultimately, they need to be cut off. They need to be removed. How many want to be cut off and excommunicated from the people of God? I don't. 
Moreover, thy brother, he, 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 he makes it plain. Moreover, if your brother shall trespass against thee, go tell him his fault between thee and thee alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained a brother. This is about reconciliation. What happens when Andy and Kirsten, when you fight and when there's a problem, what has to happen? Somebody's got to forgive somebody, right? There has to be some reconciliation. But when someone goes, no, there won't be any reconciliation. What they've done is they've stopped themselves from forgiving and they've held the sin over their husband or wife and this creates an impossible situation. We are never to withhold our forgiveness for our husband or our wife. We are never to hold unforgiveness for our mom or our dad or our brother and sister in Christ and say, stay away from me. You know what? We can go to the same church, but we're not going to reconcile this situation. That cannot be. And when it is like that, we have to, the elders that God has given you, we have to cut the hand off. We have to pluck the eye out. Else our church would be filled with horrible things. If he will not hear thee, take him one, take two. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. If he neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. If he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen and a man and a publican. Cut off the hand or the foot. Put them out of the church. Those who refuse to forgive. Those who refuse to be reconciled to their brother. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. When you bind, what are you doing? You're not cutting off. You are what? You are binding it in, right? And he says, whatsoever you lose. When someone gets fired, they get what? They get cut what? They get cut loose. Whatsoever you lose. He, this, whole, this whole chapter is about the same thing. I say unto you that whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Whatsoever you bind on earth. If two of you agree on anything is touching anything and they ask, it shall be done for them. For my Father which is in heaven. For where the two or three are gathered in my midst, there I am. Peter's wheels now are spinning. Peter is thinking of this. He's thinking he's a hothead. How many know Peter was a hothead? How many think Peter was easy to get along with? I don't think so. Yeah, he was the first one to pull out the sword and cut the guy's ear off. He was, I'll never deny you. He was, he was in your face. He was an immature man who needed the grace of God in his life. And you know what? You know what he knew, Ashley? He was thinking of himself here. He's thinking, you know, I, I might be that sheep. I might end up being the one that has to be cut off. And so we, we think of this, I think, backwards. Peter's wanting to know how many times he can get forgiven. Peter's not... Wanting to know, you know, he's, he's, he's like, now he's a little concerned about himself here. This kind of turns this whole chapter to me into a different kind of a thing. Peter says, okay, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I shall forgive? It's kind of like the guy that goes to the psychiatrist and he says, I have a friend. I have this friend that has this problem, right? Peter has a problem. He's worrying that he's going to not be able to be forgiven because he knows he's always stepping on toes and, and, and being angry and holding it against and he's not forgiving. And he, Peter is seeing he's in serious trouble here. He's supposed to be, you know, uh, the, the rock, right? And he's realizing that he's the rock that's going to get thrown in the, in, the, in the rubbish pile. Keep... How often shall I forgive? Seven times? Jesus said, I, I, I say not only until seven times, but until seven, 70 times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven. Everybody say the kingdom of heaven. Everybody say therefore. When Jesus says therefore, it's time to pay attention. All the things that he said, he's saying, now, now that I've told you about the sheep, now that I've told you about children, now that I've told you about unforgiveness and, and reconciliation, therefore, by say, therefore, the kingdom of heaven. Once again, the kingdom of heaven. Say the kingdom of heaven. So he's talking about the kingdom, and he's saying, therefore, therefore what? About the children, about unforgiveness, about cutting and binding and cutting loose and plucking out eyes and forgiving sins. Therefore, everybody say, therefore. The kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king which would take account of his servants. When he began to reckon, one brought unto him, owed him 10,000 talents. So Jesus is telling the parable to say, therefore, this is what I'm talking about. For as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, his wife, his children, all that he had in payment to be made. Can you imagine the debt he owed? Could you imagine owing a debt that your wife would have to be sold? I can't comprehend it. Elaine is gone. Your children are gone because of a debt that you owed. 
I can't even comprehend it. And that debt is so tremendous that it not, it's not just that he had $10,000 to pay. I mean, $10,000, big whoop. His children, his wife. You, you, you take my wife and children, you might as well just shoot me, okay? And if it's because of a debt that I, if I did it, shoot me twice. Servant fell down. He worshiped, saying, Oh, Lord, have patience with me. I will pay you all. The Lord of the servant was moved with compassion, loosed him, and forgave the debt. He didn't just say, pay it back. What did he do? What would this guy owe this guy? His whole life, he had the chance to take his wife. He had the chance to sell his children. He had the chance to completely crush every bit of his life and destroy it. And what did he do? Did he give him more time to pay or did he just forgave it? Wow. What a story. Everybody say, but. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow fellow servants who owed him a hundred pence. I don't even know what it would be, but ten bucks, a hundred bucks. Who knows? I don't know. He laid his hands on him. He took him by the throat. Pay me what you owe me. This fellow servant fell down at his feet. When he fell down, what should he have done? He should have remembered that he was down on the ground. He should have remembered that he was asking forgiveness. He should have remembered when he needed compassion. But did he? He fell down at his feet saying, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. He used the same words. Can you imagine this, Christina? Can you, 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 it's almost like you're, you're, you're now the roles are reversed and here you are. You hear the same words coming from this guy who's so bad off, he can't pay, but he's so, he's so bad off that yeah, you can understand not paying 10,000. This guy can't even pay a hundred bucks back. Can't even pay $10 back. And he's begging and pleading as though he's so worse off than you ever were. Using your same words, begging the same thing, asking the same thing. And he would not, but he went and he cast him into prison. Not only did the man not have his wife, did not have his children, he even lost his freedom. Now he's in prison. This guy did worse to the man who owed him a hundred bucks, or ten bucks, or whatever it was, and he did worse to him. Then, then he had owed so much more. When his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry. They came and they told their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desired me to do so. Should not thou have also had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And the Lord was wroth and delivered him to his tormentors that he should pay that was due unto him. So likewise, my heavenly Father shall do unto you also, if from your hearts you forgive not everyone, everybody say everyone, his brother, their trespasses. You know, it's, it's almost easier to forgive people we don't know. It's, it's easier to forgive those Romans, right? It's easier to forgive those nasty people we meet down that, you know, give us nasty hand gestures and maybe hit our, maybe, you know, throw eggs at our car, right? Well, whatever. We don't know them. But what about when I come over to your house? What about when I sin against you? What about when my kid kicks your kid? What about when I don't think of you when you're suffering and, and I'm not there for you and you boil over? Why? Because it's not the same when they do it, Right? But when we do it, it's something. It's harder to forgive those that we know the best and that we love the most because the pain is so much more. Joseph foreshadowed Jesus in the church when he forgave his brothers. He loved them and then said, not only do I love you and forgive you, but I'm going to provide for your little ones. Don't be afraid. Jesus, before Peter's betrayal, forgave him before and after. At the crucifixion, he forgave the Romans. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Stephen followed his example as he was being stoned. 
But he being full of the Holy Ghost looked steadfastly into heaven, saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. He said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. They cried with a loud voice. They stopped their ears. They ran upon him. They cast him out of the city. They stoned him. They stoned Stephen, calling upon God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He kneeled down, cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And he fell asleep. Whose sins have you not forgiven? Do you even want me to ask? You know, I contemplated not asking. Because I I almost didn't want your mind to go there. I'm like, it'll distract from holy worship. Where our minds are going to go back to all those people that we've held sway and anger and bitterness. And and instead of thinking about God and, and, and the holy worship of God, we're going to start going back in our past and worrying and being upset. Whose sins? I want to ask you this question. See, I know we don't have the, you know, everybody close your eyes and raise your hands and come to the altar. We don't do that here. But I'm going to ask you. I'm going to be, I'm serious. I want you to think about it for a minute. We got time to think about this. Whose sins have you not forgiven? Whose debt and transgression have you held back and put a lien on their soul? As we have been reminded by our Lord, He has forgiven us. He continues to forgive us like He forgave Peter. When He called you, He knew you would sin. He knew the sins you would commit. He loved you anyway, and He offered the warm blood of His compassion to pay for your sins. People of God, may we surrender the sure debts of others today and find freedom in our own forgiveness or will we cast others into prison within our hearts and find our master holding us accountable for our deeds in this life I believe that this is something I have seen in scripture I haven't really heard a lot of people talk about it but I really believe that what this is teaching is this you want to pay for the sins you commit in this life while you're alive I don't don't think this is about one day being saved or not I really don't I think it's about hell on earth. I think it's about torment on earth. I think it's about misery and woe and difficulty. Who wants to pay for your sins here? I don't. The Bible tells us that when we sin, God brings judgment upon us. But the Bible says those that judge themselves will not be judged of God. Our salvation cannot be dependent on this or else it would not be grace alone that we are saved by, right? It would be grace and our good behavior here. Our salvation is not dependent on this, and that's not the message I'm preaching to you today. I'm telling you today that you may make it to heaven, and that might be fine, but you will be cut off from the people of God. You will never find a home among the covenant people of God. You will never have peace in your life, and you will pay for your sins here on earth. I'm telling you right now, you will pay for your sins unless you forgive those that have sinned against you. It will torment you. It'll mess with your mind. You'll think about it night and day. You'll, 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 you'll need a lot of help to deal with it. You'll have difficulty. You'll suffer financially. You'll be sick and your body will be racked with disease. The Bible teaches that when we don't forgive others, then we pay right here, right now for our sins. There are people who are here today, I know, that can learn from this message. And I say, God, grant us forgiveness of others today, that the gates of the kingdom will be open wide for us. Let us, oh God, let us be the poor in spirit, those meek that shall inherit the earth, those persecuted mourners, hungering and thirsting after true righteousness, who know God as our Father. Let us be merciful men and women made so by God's Spirit who will indeed see God. Peacemakers who by our quiet lives of compassion And forgiveness will shine bright in the darkness, dispelling evil and glorifying our Father which is in heaven. The hymn says, The Son of God goes forth to war, a kingly crown to gain. His blood-red banner streams afar. And the question is asked, Who follows 
in his trade? That's a good question. Who indeed? Who best can drink his cup of woe, triumphant over pain? Who patient bears his cross below? Who follows in his train? The martyr first, whose eagle eye could pierce beyond the grave. He saw his master in the sky and called on him to save. Like him with pardon on his tongue in midst of mortal pain. He prayed for them that did the wrong. Who follows in his train? Ephesians 4, Paul implores us, Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. No better reason to offer forgiveness. Better than being hauled off or better than having to pay, but because Christ has forgiven us. Amen? We should forgive others. Let us pray. Lord, I pray that Your Word pierces into our hearts today that we would become liberal with our forgiveness. That we would become easy to offer what has been given to us freely without cost to us. That as those sinned against us and we were tempted to hold their sins against them and not forgive them, we would remember what You have done for us. Lord, they deserve the punishment. They deserve to be hauled away, but Lord, we deserve it even more as we've sinned against You. Lord, may Your example of mercy be our goal in life. May we be the merciful that see the kingdom of God. In Christ's name we pray. Everybody said amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.